glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Take your Bibles this evening. Turn to the book of Proverbs, if you would. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 18. A joy to be with you this morning and also tonight. I'm grateful for this church. Thankful that we can have God's Word in front of us tonight. I meant to share this this morning, and I I failed to. uh, Preaching on the Word of God this morning and the importance of the Word of God in our lives. Uh, We stayed last night at the Log Inn, uh, just on the other side of the river. And uh, they had the Gideons, a, a Bible there. And I picked it up and I was just looking at it. And in the front of the Bible it says, Enjoy reading the Bible, God's Word. And then below that, someone had handwritten this. The Word of God, sorry, the Word of Human Animal Sacrifice, Genocide, Slavery, and Mythology. Enjoy. And it kind of, I showed it to my wife, it kind of broke my heart a little bit. I was like, man, I mean, that's... Uh, and again, I, I meant to share that this morning in tandem with the message that I preached this morning. God's Word is God's Word. It's not man's Word. It's God's Word. I'm thankful that we can have it open in front of us this evening uh, and read it and learn from it. It's a great privilege to have it in front of us, and we should never take it for granted. We're going to read three verses in this chapter. And as I read these verses, there's a word, a theme that's that's... Paralleled in all three of these verses in this chapter and see if you can pick it out. Verse number 9, the Bible says, He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Jump down to verse 19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like, are like the bars of a castle. And then the last verse of the chapter, it says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Lord, I ask your blessing this evening on the message. I pray that you'd help me as I preach. Give me wisdom. And again, we are thankful for your word, uh, that we can uh, rejoice in its validity, that we can uh, firmly stand upon its pages and understand that it is your word. I, I thank you tonight for the privilege to preach it. I pray that you'd help us this evening, give us open hearts, open minds, help us to understand the words and the principles that I believe you'd have for us to understand this evening. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Did anyone pick up on the word that's used? Brother. I was reading this chapter recently. I read a Proverbs a day, and I was reading it, I guess it was last week, and I noticed that correlation, and I began to study the idea of a brother uh, in the Bible as a whole, but even inside of the book of Proverbs. In fact, the, the word brother is only mentioned, I think, five times in the entire book of Proverbs. Three of them are right here in this chapter. Uh, the word brother... Uh, means someone who has the same parents, a uh, kinship, a relative. But also to, to the Israelites, it would have meant someone from the same tribe. Uh, they would have been called a brother. Uh, and I think it's, it's important to understand. Uh, the Bible says in Romans 8.15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And speaking of salvation, once we trust Christ as our Savior, we become a part of the family of God. We are now children of God. That would make us brothers and sisters, would it not? 
And I think the application here is for physical, literal brothers and sisters, but even for you and I as, as believers, as fellow believers. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Hence, often we use the term brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. I think it's, it's a worthy name because that's what we are. We're brothers or sisters. And as I began to study the idea of a brother, biblically speaking, uh, especially in the, these verses, I'd like us to look at each of these verses. We have three points tonight. Uh, one from each of these verses, verse number 9 and verse number 19 and verse 24, there's three types of brothers that I see in these verses. First of all, verse number 9, he that also that is slothful in his work is a brother to him that is a great waster. So first of all, number one, I see a slothful brother. I won't be very long this evening. I want to be a help to you. I want to be an encouragement to you uh, and a challenge to us this evening. But the first thing I see here is a slothful brother. The word slothful, it says in this verse, he that is slothful in his, in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. So th- the principle here is that a slothful person is a brother to a wasteful person. Okay? And I think they go hand in hand. A slothful person would be someone that wastes. These are genetic traits that can run in a family, not just physically, but, but it, it can be hereditary. Even I've seen ministries where slothfulness is somewhat a part of it. It's just... Nothing's getting done. There's trash on the floor. Uh, and it's obvious no one's taking care of the place. Uh, in a ministry, that's one thing. But in our homes, in our personal lives, we ought not be like that. To take care of what God's given us. Uh, a good brother would, would, of course, not be a slothful brother. Now, a couple of thoughts here about this slothful brother. Uh, first of all, letter A, his responsibility. His responsibility. You see, a slothful person has no responsibility. They don't take responsibility seriously. Turn back to chapter 12, if you will, of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 27. The Bible says, The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. Uh, so the inverse would be obvious as well. A righteous person uses that which he takes in hunting. Uh, he doesn't waste it. Okay, So you see the idea of wasting in comparison, in tandem here with the slothfulness. Uh, a slothful person uh, doesn't take the responsibility or ownership of that which is his. We'll go back to verse number 10 of this same chapter. The Bible says, A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. You see the opposite. A righteous man takes care of what he owns. He takes that responsibility. Uh, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. So I see the, a slothful brother, his, his, his responsibility, and really his lack thereof, his lack of responsibility. But also I see letter B, his ruin. Back in chapter 18, his ruin, uh, the word uh, waster. Okay, verse 9, he that also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. The word waster, or to waste, means to be destroyed. It means to be ruined, is the idea. And slothfulness... Inherently brings ruin, does it not? In fact, let's look at an example of this. Turn to chapter 24 of the book of Proverbs. I like studying words and themes, but especially in the book of Proverbs and chasing it down, tracking a verse here, a verse there, just in the book of Proverbs. And this is, this is kind of the message this evening. Proverbs chapter 20, uh, 24, rather, Proverbs 24, verse 30. The Bible says, And I went by the field of the slothful, by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. 
Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Solomon here gets a vision or a picture, if you will, in his mind of, of a slothful man and his vineyard, his field. What did he see? He was walking down the road by the field of this slothful person, by the vineyard of this man void of understanding. And the field was grown over with thorns. There was no fruit. There was no crop. Nettles and thorns had covered the face of it. The stone wall was broken down. So any type of creature or animal or person was able to get into the vineyard and, and do whatever they wanted to it. Uh, and then he, considered, he looked and considered it well and received instruction. A little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. And so, uh, again, slothfulness brings destruction. Think of this vineyard that Solomon saw. Uh, the wall is broken down. The vineyard's in bad shape. Uh, there's no harvest. There, there's no crops being grown and no crops being harvested. Uh, it's, it's in decay. It's in ruin. And really, if you think about it, this slothful person has created more work for themselves. Because now they have to clean it all up before they can actually plant crops okay, uh, or a vineyard. Uh, but I see, first of all, back in chapter 18, the first brother I'd like us to consider is the slothful brother. I don't want to be a slothful brother. Now think about the idea of a brother inside of a church. right? And again, we're all brothers and sisters here this evening. If you've trusted Christ as your, as your Savior, uh, we need to all bear the yoke, do we not? To work together. If, if one part of the body of Christ is failing and not doing their share, then the entire body suffers and is hindered. Uh, so if we're going to be a brother that God has intended us to be, we need not be a slothful brother. Second of all, I see in verse 19, the second brother is an offended brother. An, an offended brother. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. An offended brother. Uh, offenses happen, do they not? It's a fact of life. You will be offended. Uh, we all can be offended from time to time. These contentions can ruin relationships. Turn to chapter 27 of Proverbs. Proverbs 27, verse number 20. I'm sorry, verse number 10. Proverbs 27, verse number 10. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not, neither go into thy brother's house in the day of calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother afar off. A brother that has been offended would be afar off, uh, would not be near to you. Uh, and, and it's better to have a neighbor that you get along with. It's better to have a neighbor that is, that is of help, that's an encouragement, than having a brother that is afar off. And a brother that is offended, as we see back in chapter 18 in our text verse, is harder to be one than a strong city. A couple of thoughts here about this offended brother. Letter A, the fact of contention. An offense had occurred between a brother and another brother or a sister and another sister. Uh, wedges are driven. Bars are put up. In fact, this word mentions the bars. Uh, in verse 19, the contentions are like the bars of a castle. Nothing is, is allowed to pass through. Uh, and this will destroy people's lives. Offenses will destroy people's lives. I've seen an entire family ruined because of, of one small little thing that happened. And it got under someone's saddle and it bothered them and, and it ruined a relationship. It ruined a friendship. It ruined a family between little, literal brothers and literal sisters. Uh, and that ought not be. We not, ought not have that type of mentality here. Turn, if you will, to uh, Romans chapter 12. Let's 
trace this thought a little bit further throughout the Bible. Romans chapter 12. I love these verses. Verse 17 and 18. The Bible says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, and I love that phrase, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. What ought we do? Live peaceably with all men. Okay. And not let things offend us. Water off a duck's back, right? Someone may say something, and they may not have meant it in the way that you took it. And I think often, can I just be real this evening? I think oftentimes a great hindrance and a great reason, really, why people are offended is because of these things right here. A cell phone. You ever read a text message uh, and read it and interpreted it differently than the person had intended it to be sent? Okay. Uh, don't be offended by that. Okay. Again, maybe they didn't mean it that way, as, as you have interpreted it. And so, uh, it, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. A couple of thoughts here about this. Uh, don't retaliate, right? He says back in verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. That's often our knee-jerk reaction, right? That's our American mindset. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I'm going to recompense evil. He offended me. I'm going to offend him back. That's an unbiblical attitude. Okay. In fact, it says back uh, in this verse, in this chapter rather, uh, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Right? That's, that's God's job to recompense uh, for the evil and also the idea here of letting it go, right? Don't let it continue to fester and to bother you, which we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I love the phrase, if it be possible, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. The fact of the matter is offenses happen. But we ought not let it affect our, our, our brothers and our sisters. We ought to, to seek and to strive to mend fences and not put bars up and, and cause division uh, let's go back to Proverbs if we could. We're going to go back to the New Testament in just a moment, so get your fingers ready. But go back to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. More of a topical message this evening, a little bit of turning. But chapter 16, verse 32, the Bible says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. I like the, uh, the connection here of a city, right, uh, that we've already looked at in chapter 18, verse 19. But someone who can control his anger is better than a mighty person. Someone who can control his anger is someone that is, uh, can, can rule, rule his own spirit is he that is stronger than can take a city. Uh, chapter 19, verse 11. The Bible says, the discretion, of a man is, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. That is difficult to do. Can anyone test to that tonight? It is not easy to be offended, and to look over that offense. That's very difficult, okay? but it's important for us to learn to do. Uh, even in a marriage, right? Two people living together in the same house, it's only inevitable that offense will happen, right? And so it's important for us to, to let it go, to not let it fester and brew. So first of all, see letter A, the fact of contention. We're talking about an offended brother, someone uh, who, uh, in a contentious situation, contention has come. So the fact of contention, but also letter B, I'd like us to consider the forgiveness of Christ. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, the forgiveness of Christ. The greatest example of letting contention go is Jesus Christ, is it not? The Bible says they smote him in the face. Uh, they 
placed the crown of thorns upon his head and beat it down into his skull. And the Bible says, he answered them not a word. When he was reviled, he reviled not yet again. Uh, he didn't let it bother him. He moved on, right? But notice what it says here in verse 31 of Ephesians 4. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Do not those things sound like contention? Anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. Okay, but verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as, Christ, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Wonderful verse. You would do well to memorize that verse. Commit it to memory. And quote it often, because it's easy to get offended. We must be tender-hearted and kind one to another. The forgiveness of Christ. You know, it's often the case uh, that people are offended. Contention is in place. And it's often the case that, uh, sadly, bitterness sets in. Let's, let's look at one more passage here while we're here in the New Testament. Turn to the book of Hebrews. Speaking here of contentious... Uh, moments in our lives, putting bars up, as we saw in Proverbs 18, um, not letting people in and, and, and putting a wall up and uh, forcing uh, someone to, to go away and not letting anything, not letting uh, forgiveness, not letting things be restored. Verse, let's see, Hebrews 12, verse 14, the Bible says, follow, at, follow, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Do you remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Esau was offended, was he not? Twice by his brother Jacob. Jacob uh, deceived him twice. And Esau was offended. But if you continue reading in the story, remember Jacob went and spent 14 and a half years with his uncle Laban, got two wives out of the deal, and eventually came back to, to Israel, uh, back to Bethel, and the, the moment came when he had to meet his brother. Remember, he, he kept Rachel back and every, everyone else he set out in front as a gift, as a present for his brother. But do you remember what his brother did? The Bible says he came and wept and hugged the neck of his brother. And I think of Esau. I think Esau is used here as an example of not letting a situation Get the best of you. But learning to move on, as he talks about, about bitterness in verse number 15, this little root of bitterness, you know, often you don't see the roots. They're underground. You know, you can be sitting in a pew tonight and, and be angry with someone sitting next to you. And, and no one would ever know it. The bitterness is there, but no one can see it. Okay. Uh, and that can destroy you. Notice what it says. It springs up and troubles you. Yes, it troubles you, and thereby many be defiled. That affects other people around you. Okay, so this contention in our lives, an offended brother can grow, can it not? That contention, that offense can become, you're making a mountain out of a molehill now. And this is the fact of life oftentimes, and it's important for us to understand that ought not be the case. Back in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, first of all, we see the slothful brother. We don't want to be him. Second of all, we see an offended brother. We we really don't want to be him. We no, I don't like, anyone here like contention? Some people thrive on it. They just love being in an argument. I, I'm not like that. I, I, as a pastor, I've, I've, I try to stay away from it as much as I possibly can, but, but inevitably it is a part of our lives and we need to learn to deal with it. Uh, but lastly, and, and most importantly I think here in, in context, is a faithful brother. Number three, a faithful brother. Verse 24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. 
And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I, I love these verses, this thought here. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. So, letter A, the first thing I see here about this faithful brother or a friendly brother uh, is, is, is a friendship that shows. S-H-E-W-S. Uh, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. In other words, if you expect to have friends, you need to be a friend yourself, right? Do unto others, Jesus said, as you would have men do unto you. Luke chapter 9, verse 31. Uh, it's important for us to practice this in our lives. Uh, a, a, a true friend loves the unlovely. A true friend often has to make the choice to be a friend. A true brother has to make the choice oftentimes to still love his brother, even when he's been offended. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. This is the kind of brother that I want. I think there's a connection here, a correlation in verse 24 between a friend and a brother. Uh, and a brother is a friend, is he not? And sometimes we have friends that are like brothers. Uh, I'm thankful for my two brothers. I have, I have two brothers. And my older brother is a pastor in Butte, Montana. And uh, he's, he's, he's very close. We're close to each other. We talk, I, I wouldn't say daily, but at least every other day. We work together on the computer. Uh, and so we, we, we help each other. We encourage each other. We pray with each other. I have a younger brother. He lives back in Virginia with, with my folks. He still works for my dad. Uh, he kind of manages a, a business, several businesses that my dad owns and operates. And we're close as well. We don't talk as much. He's a bit, very busy person, and of course, so am I. But we're very close as well. He was my best man at our, at, at our wedding. Uh, I'm thankful for my physical brothers. I'm very thankful for my physical brothers. But I have other people in my life who are spiritual brothers, who are friends, right, that are very close, that I'm thankful for. Uh, even Brother Nevin, Brother Neil, he, he's a friend, okay? He's a brother. I'm thankful for him. And we should be thankful for these types of people, a physical brother who we're still close to, a physical sister that we're still close to, uh, but even friends who would be like brothers. And if we expect to have friends, we must be a friend that shows friendship. If we want to be a good brother, if we want to have good brothers and sisters, then we must uh, in turn be a good brother or a good sister. So I see friendship that shows, but also let her be friendship that sticks. Notice verse 24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The word sticketh here means to cling to, like glue, to adhere to. Um, I remember when I went off to college, my grandma had some advice for me. <clears throat> I'm thankful for her. Uh, and and she, she sat down, she says, Andrew, this is what you need to do. When you get to Bible college, you need to find the most godly person on campus and make them your best friend. Follow them around campus, annoy the fire out of them until they become your best friend. Well, that's interesting, interesting thought. you know. So yeah, and I'm, I had some good roommates, I had some good friends in college that were godly individuals that did help me. I'm thankful for that. Uh, but think about it for a minute. A, a friend that sticks close through thick and thin would be a brother, is it not? Uh, a physical brother, even even a, a, a spiritual brother. Turn, if you will, to, to Romans chapter uh, 5. I think, again, the greatest example of this type of brother uh, is Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. The Bible says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. 
But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And often being a good friend is a choice. Just like in a marriage, right? Love is a choice, is it not? Choosing to love someone, even when they are unlovely, is still important to do. And this is, this is the whole premise here of this point. Uh, sticking close, uh, not leaving, not forsaking. Oftentimes we let small offenses, an offended brother, uh, we, we let small things get in between uh, in a marriage, in a, between a husband and a wife, or between a, a brother and a sister. And relationships are ruined, families are ruined, uh, but a good friend sticks with it, doesn't let go. Is not going anywhere. And through thick and thin, he's there. He's there to help. And Jesus Christ is the greatest example of that. While I was yet a sinner, yet dead in my sin, Jesus Christ came and died for me. He died for the unlovely. He died for the ungodly. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, a friendship that sticks. Turn to John. One last passage and we'll be done this evening. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, continuing this idea of friendship uh, in correlation with being a brother. Jesus told his disciples here in the upper room some intimate words that he shared with his disciples. Verse 13, he says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his, what? Friends. Jesus Christ did that, did he not? He laid his life down for his friends, for his disciples, for his immediate friends sitting right there in front of him. But even even for you and I, I, I believe Jesus looked beyond the cross. He saw you, he saw me, and he desired a relationship with me. Hence, therefore, he died for me. Uh, and this is the greatest example of love that a man laid down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, verse 14, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. A friend that sticks closer uh, than a brother is someone, okay, let's just think about our relationship with Christ. He is my friend. I want to be his friend, right? How can I do that? Well, in these verses, the Bible says we keep his commandments. If we want to be called a friend of God, be called a friend of, of Jesus Christ, we must keep his commandments. And this is what he says in verse 14. You are my friends if, the condition here, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Okay, so it's important for us to obey. I want to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother to my wife. I want to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother uh, to our church people at New Life Baptist Church. I want to be a good friend, don't you? And I'm thankful I have the best friend, Jesus Christ. And I want to, to stick close to him. I'm thankful he sticks with me. Okay? Uh, but if I want to stick with him, I, I need to understand, I need to obey him and stay close to him and, and be submissive to his will for my life. Now, in conclusion... Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse number 31, uh, the Bible says, And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. If we expect to have good friends, we must be a good friend ourselves. So the three, friends, three brothers that we've looked at tonight uh, would be a slothful brother, an offended brother, and a faithful brother. Uh, no one wants to be a slothful brother. No one wants to have a slothful brother. Uh, no one wants to be an offended brother. No one wants to cause the offense that would cause this contention. But everyone wants to be a faithful brother. And that should be our desire tonight, that we would be uh, a church that's united. A church that deals in harmony, that deals in peace. The book of Ephesians is a wonderful book. But I believe there's an underlying theme in the book of Ephesians, and that would be unity or peace. And Paul's challenge to that church was, was unity. 
till we all come in the unity and the bond of peace, he says in chapter 4. And that should be what a church does. We stick together, do we not? There's going to be problems. Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church is going to have problems. It's going to have offenses. But a good church sticks together. Don't be the first one to walk out the door and say, I'm never going back to that church again. Work it out. Come to your pastor. Talk to him. And if you have a brother that's been offended or you have been offended, go to that person. Don't start causing discord among the brethren. Okay? Stick it out. Stick with it. Be faithful and be obedient. Most importantly, be obedient to Christ and be his friend. Be submissive to him. Mm-hmm.